Miami reminds you that you have a lot to give, you have a lot to gain, and you have a lot to learn. And that humility is is refreshing and it's a helpful reminder as we go. Welcome to Beyond High Street. My name is Jenny Derrick and I'm the Dean of the Pharma School of Business here at Miami University. Today I'm joined by Trish Lukasek, who's who graduated in, with a BS in Finance, Economics and a minor in French back in 1992. So welcome Trish and thank you for agreeing to join the podcast Beyond High Street. Absolute my pleasure to be here. I look forward to our conversation and sharing some memories and a few laughs along the way. I'm sure we will. <laughs> so during this podcast, as our listeners know, we weave through a range of topics so our listeners can get to know you, more about your journey and your reflections along the way. So I need to begin with the first most important question. Why did you choose the Pharma School of Business? Well, that's a fairly complicated answer, but let me try to chop it down into little bits for you. Um, first of all, I have a whole thing in my life of saying I will never. And um, my experience with Miami started with, I will never go to Miami University. That was really because I have an older brother who's two years older than I, and he was at Miami. And I felt like I wanted to carve my own path. And I felt like I was likely gonna be in a big city and I had all these other ideas in my head. So I started with, I will never. Um, by the way, most of the things I say I will never do, I then end up doing, and they turn out to be the best decisions in my life. And that was certainly true of my journey to Miami. Um, I, I did go to visit that older brother uh, for Little Sibs weekend a couple years later. And um, that's really sealed the deal for me because all of a sudden I was able to see Miami in a very different light. Um, I had a terrific weekend there. I got to meet all kinds of interesting people. And I realized that town of Oxford felt so incredibly warm, welcoming, and wonderful as a place to experience those four years. And that did it for me. It is a great place. We really enjoy living here. So, so when you finished at Miami, you started at uh, in fascinating consumer goods, if I'm not mistaken, Procter & Gamble, then you went to Coca-Cola and to its competitor, Pepsi, where you were for quite a number of years. And you weren't just in finance roles, but do tell us about your journey, uh, all of the different roles that you've had. And as, as, of course, as much as you can share, be great. Thank you. For sure. So there's two important things I need to start with. And they go right around that theme of I will never. Um, so once I got to Miami, I said, I will never go to work for Procter & Gamble. Because at that time, Procter was on campus very early and began sort of targeting different students or looking for their talent pool very early. And I found it super annoying that as a freshman or a sophomore, I was sort of already getting tagged. I was like, I just got here, really? Um, and so I started with, I will never go to work there. I thought it was really over the top. I was invited down to an event in Cincinnati my junior year, and um, that was interesting. And then I, I called my mother from the hotel room, actually, and told her they have robes in the hotel room. Like I had not grown up in that type of luxury. I, was, I will never forget the robe phone call, or normal, my mother. But, um, but they came back to campus senior year and said, at best, we'll hire two of you. Um, I'm a very competitive person. That's the truth. And that was very, very appealing to me. And I was like, oh, game on. So another one of those I will never decisions that turned out to be a great decision was joining Proctor out of undergrad. And I'm gonna come back to that in one second. There's lots of great places to join out of undergrad. I wanna talk about why I thought that was so good. But first one more I will never, which was I will never ever date someone I work with. 
and I will celebrate my 25th year of marriage this year to the gentleman I met at Procter & Gamble on my first day of work. So there you go. Take that for what it's worth. This um, sounds like a two-for-one deal, if, you're not if I'm not mistaken. <laughs> Correct. So the, I will never go to Miami. I will never go to Procter. I will never marry, date someone I work with, let alone marry them. And all of those things have gone the other way in my life. And I'm very grateful um, and, and full of just joy over those decisions. Let me go really quickly to why I found a place like Proctor to be so important coming out of undergrad. I think the Miami motto of beyond ready is one of the most important tangible things one can take from the Farmer School of Business forward because I fundamentally believe that everyone associated with the university actually embodies and believes in that and puts out students who are in fact beyond ready. And I went to Proctor with a whole bevy of skills that I didn't even really know I had um, in my in my toolbox. But Proctor, the rigor and the discipline taught me how to be an employee. I had the right capabilities, but I didn't yet know how to apply them. And the way that Proctor thinks about training and investing in the new hires coming in really helps you figure out how to apply all those tools that you're that you're given from a uh, farmer business education. So really great uh, five years there. I I I left Proctor over one of the most difficult decisions I had to make, and it was that first decision of whose career comes first. And whether you are the lead or the, or the trailing, whether you are female or male, no matter what you are, the reality is dual careerism is difficult, and you are continually making trade-offs. My first trade-off was leading Proctor, leaving Proctor. So at the time we were living in Atlanta, my then husband had a great career in Atlanta, and um, I didn't have an option to have a career with Procter Gamble in Atlanta. They had transferred me down there and I had a great experience with it, but I couldn't stay. That's when I joined the Coca-Cola company. Um, and I will say, and this is no means to disparage my former competitor, but for me, that culture didn't fit. And I knew within the first two weeks that that culture didn't fit. And I will, I will tag that back to, again, learning about who you are at Miami and what makes you tick. And as you go through those four years, you do take classes that really, really gel with you and you take some that don't. And for me, learning that and having that gave me the confidence to say, gosh, this doesn't feel like the right culture for me. And then I joined PepsiCo where I was for 17 years. I now call my time in fast moving consumer goods just a couple of decades, no need to get into the details. But over that time, Jenny, to your point, I worked in finance, I worked in sales, I worked in operations. Um, I was a general manager, I led very large organizations and I feel so grateful for all of those experiences because they led me to where I am today. And I couldn't do what I do today without each of them. So all of those courses that you're taking at Pharma that you're like, why am I in this fill in the blank course? I promise you at some point it will come to bear witness in your career if you're able and willing to take sort of a curvy path to find out where you wanna go. And now your career shifted gears again, and you're on the board of two companies, Sargento Foods and Gorilla Glue, and you also work with a private equity firm, Atlantic Street Capital. So talk to me about what attracted you to board work, and tell us more about the work you're doing at, at Atlantic Street Capital. Sure. So I'm going to start with the board work, and what really attracted me was um, the opportunity to learn new businesses, right? Um, I'm very curious, and I literally tested 10 out of 10 out of love of learning. I fundamentally believe Miami imbibed that in me um, and kept you curious and intellectually curious. And I think that's one of the most important and marketable skills you'll take forward with you for what it is worth. Um, and so I, I felt like this was a great opportunity to learn other businesses and work with other teams that I wasn't involved with day to day. And I wanted to understand influence. 
because when you're in an operating role within a company, it's about it's about results and hierarchy, quite frankly. When you're on a board, it's much more about influence and innuendo and trying to make sure that you understand enough but aren't in the weeds. So I wanted to see if I could do that transition. Um, and I love those corporations. They are fantastic organizations run by really salty earth people. I went in there thinking with all my big company girl experience that I would really be able to help them. And I have never been more humbled and more grateful in my life from what I have learned from these organizations. Most importantly, the impact long-term horizons have on return on investment. I mean, I'm happy to talk about that later. Now, let's switch gears to private equity, which is really not about long-term investment generally. It's a couple of years of fix it and hold and sell. Um, and what I love about my day job at Atlantic Street, so I'm an operating partner there, which means I go into assets that we have bought. We usually have a thesis when we're buying it. It's just something we think we can do better or some value that we can extract. And my job is to go in. I am very embedded in those leadership teams. I sit in every leadership meeting. I'm on site many, many days, much to their chagrin. No, I'm kidding. I, I, I really believe I'm part of those teams as much as anybody who gets their paycheck from those teams. And I'm there to help ensure that we are moving in that direction of whatever that thesis was so we can really be able to improve that investment and um, improve the, the life and the livelihoods of those teams as well. Because when you are buying and growing companies, that's a whole lot more fun than when you're in a shrinking enterprise. That's really interesting work. So now I'm gonna take you for a trip down memory lane. So we're gonna go way back to when you were at Miami University. So looking back, who was your favorite professor at Miami? Oh, uh, well, I had two, but I'm, I'm gonna pick one. Um, and that was Dr. Richard Hart, and he was an economics professor. And the reason that he comes to mind so quickly is I was a finance major to begin with. I've always loved numbers and I am still a numbers nerd. Give me a good Excel spreadsheet and a couple via lookups and I am a happy, happy girl. But, um, but, he, but I was taking a bunch of economics classes and really enjoying them. And he was the first person who said to me, well, you should be an econ major. And I thought, well, yeah, that sounds lovely and everything, but like, what does one do with an economics major? Like, I would like to be the chair of the Fed, but I'm probably not eligible right out, right out of undergrad. So what else might one do with that, with that degree? And I was very focused on being able to get a job and um, earn a living. I, I came, I grew up in a very wonderful environment, but we were not what one would consider wealthy. And I was very focused on sort of how do I get a return on my education? Um, but I loved economics. I loved the blue book and the multicolor pen and the graphs. I loved the whole geeky thing of it. Um, and so he had a really big influence on me. And that's how I ended up with a double major at, at Farmer was purely because of those conversations that I had with, with Dr. Hart. I love it. What subject did you least enjoy? Oh, well, I'm very, very glad that you are the dean now because I can say this out loud at this point, it would have been very politically incorrect previously, but I was not a big fan of accounting. I'm just going to be honest. I like numbers, but I did not like accounting. Those are two very different things to me. <laughs> well, at least you're honest. What co-curricular activities were you involved in? Um, so I was definitely very involved in Greek life on Miami's campus, and um, I have very fond memories of that. But you know, what's interesting to me when I think back on the Greek life experience for me is it was not just about being a tried out, which I was. Um, maybe, I would hypothesize it maybe because the women didn't have houses on campus. My, um, I felt like my allegiance was to several sororities because I had very good friends in several sororities and I lived with women from several sororities. So I was known to crash many a Pi Phi party um, or be invited. And, um, and I really loved that experience uh, for sure. I was also um, the treasurer of the Miami student newspaper at the time, which 
um, was a hilarious journey when I when I think about any bit of that whatsoever. And I got to spend a semester in Luxembourg, um, as a summer in Luxembourg, actually uh, doing the whole Lux thing, which was fantastic. Yeah, so good. What was your favorite time of the day for class? We, are you a morning person or not so much? I was always a morning person. I still am a morning person. I'm somebody who likes to get up, get that checklist, know what I have to get done, get it done, and then create capacity for myself later in the day. I still work that way. Very good. What was your favorite night of the week while you were at Miami? Oh, for sure, Thursday night. Um, for sure, Thursday night, because you knew you kind of made it again. But I'd love to throw one quick anecdote in here as well. Um, my housemates and I junior year took wine tasting on Thursday nights. There were seven of us, eight of us who took it together. I had to audit the class because I had too much credit from a double major and a minor, and I didn't want to have to pay an extra fee. So I got to go and basically sit there and uh, read a book or take notes, or do whatever I wanted to do. And then I was always the poorer. And being the poorer in wine tasting classes, it's a strategic responsibility. And that I'll leave it at that. But uh, but that the the evenings that I can remember us going to and carrying our little carrier of wine glasses and coming home from wine tasting class, I will never, ever forget. I treasure those memories. And there must be a theme here, Trish, because when I first met you, did you not tell me how much you enjoyed the wine tasting classes that the <laughs> Alumni Association were running? Am I right? Darn it, you have a really good memory. I did indeed tell you that. I was just thinking that I, I was like, I wonder if I've told her that story. But yes, indeed, I have. I did enjoy those during shutdown, particularly because they allowed you to kind of at least experience something with someone else and take me down memory lane at the same time. That's great. So you mentioned you work for the student newspaper, but were you, did you do any other interning while you were at Miami? You know, I really did not do interning. I definitely held summer jobs and I held um, often two summer jobs at a time. But um, back in my day, uh, the internship wasn't as real of a thing as it is today. And I watch these students who are getting this amazing experience early. And when, again, when I think about Beyond Ready, you see it because these students have actually had real jobs before they get to that first real job. Um, I did not have that experience and it was not nearly as big of a requirement. So on the one hand, I feel for all of the students who have that stress starting sophomore year of trying to find the perfect internship. For you anyway, I hope you all, I'm a beacon of hope to you that like maybe there's another road but at the same time, I see the benefit of students who get those really rich experiences and then are ready to really enter the career work, the career force, workforce. Okay, so we all have some fun summer jobs. So what what did what were some of your summer jobs that you did? Oh yeah, I did them all. Um, so probably my my longest running summer job is there was a boat, a dinner boat at in the downtown area of Cleveland called the Star of Nautica. And just as the Star of Nautica was opening, um, a friend of our family got me a reservationist job, which basically means I answered the phone and say, oh, good afternoon, Star of Nautica. Can I book a dinner cruise? Um, and I did that job, I believe, for three summers. By the third summer, I was promoted to the head reservationist, which you know was very powerful to me. I got to lord over all the other reservationists since I first got my taste of like, I kind of like being in charge. Um, and so, so I got my brother a job working on the boat. I mean, um, so I, I did that for a number of years. And actually the fun part of that was watching that enterprise grow from the first day when we were in a little tractor trailer or little trailer thing to, the, to my third summer when we were a real entity at the time. But I also worked in retail. I worked at Esprit because back in the day, I'm aging myself, I know, but Esprit was super cool. And I really couldn't afford the sweaters without the job. 
I did get fired from that job, by the way, I can share with the group. Um, it's a long story. Um, I didn't steal or embezzle, I promise. And I was a really good salesperson, but anyway. Um, yeah, and that's, you, you have uh, this lot of intrigue behind that comment, Beatrice. <laughs> I promise it was on the up and up. It's just that my boyfriend bought tickets to a show and they wouldn't let me leave a half an hour early. And anyway, that didn't end well. <laughs> That's usually a good reason to leave a summer job. <laughs> I, I also have one other fun story about summer jobs. So um, growing up, my brother was always the guy who got to cut all the lawns and I had to do the weeding, um, like pulling the stuff out of the ground. And I thought it was always very discriminatory. I actually balked to my parents for years about the discrimination in our household because I thought it was much easier to walk behind a machine then it was like kneel down, pull, get your hands dirty, et cetera. So my brother went away to golf camp one summer and I went around to all of his clients and I took all the business. And then when he got home, they all said, you know, your sister actually does a bit better job. And so we're going to keep her. And I, and they paid me more than him. So I thought that that was like poetic justice for the discrimination I had faced earlier in my weeding career. I think we call that a win-win. <laughs> Except for my brother, he didn't go for it, but you know. <laughs> so where did you live in your freshman year? What dorm were you in? And do you remember I the lived, room? Oh, I lived in Emerson Hall. I don't remember the room number, but I was on the first floor. Um, and you turned right when you came in the back door and walked two doors down. And um, I will never forget it. I can see it as plain as day. And I can at least share with the group that one, uh, the person who lived, if you turned left and walked one door down, is still a very dear friend of mine whom I see very regularly in the city of Chicago. So, uh, you know, those friendships matter and, and the good ones really stick. That's great. Where, where did you live off campus? Oh, I lived in a house that we called Around the Corner at the time. Now, when I was last on campus, I did not see a new name on that house, which I was very sad about. It was 100 East Collins. We had a great porch swing that got sold three times while we lived there. Um, but uh, But we had a incredibly incredibly great house and a great time around the corner that's great what was your favorite building on campus not in uptown but on campus you know honestly probably king library because it was pretty close to my house where i lived off campus and um and so it was super easy to get back and forth even if you just wanted to pop over for an hour or two of quiet time and get out of the melee of a house of eight women um, and it was a real, you know, you knew you could go to the floor two if you wanted to be social or floor four if you wanted to work hard. So it kind of met my whole need in terms of my hierarchy of what I needed in a given moment. <laughs> it was Maslow's hierarchy in you. <laughs> in King Library, floor exactly. Two, floor four. <laughs> What's your favorite spot in Uptown? Um, well, I mean, at the time it was definitely Ozzy's. I don't know if that's still a thing or not, um, but but that was. Uh, and then, um, oh, geez, CJ's, I think, in the alley on Thursday nights after wine tasting class. Those were the two big spots. And by the way, we should probably not have been going out after wine tasting class. We should have probably just called it a night. But, we're you know, not, we're not here to judge. <laughs> we're not judging. <laughs> <laughs> so where was your favorite place to eat while you were at Miami? Oh, for sure. Bagel and deli. I mean, yeah. hands down. Do you remember your favorite <laughs> bagel and deli flavor? Um, it's a turkey. It's a turkey. I don't remember the name of it. I mean, if I saw the board, I would know immediately. Turkey something rather. I like that. Yes, turkey so, so something. It, it sounds like you. Oh, sorry. I didn't mean turkey with cheese. Good. <laughs> I'll look it up. <laughs> so, so you mentioned you have been back to some of these places, and and how do you feel when you come back to Oxford and, and drive around and look at all the old haunts? Um, you know, I am not a particularly nostalgic person. I don't. I'm not sentimental. I don't keep all kinds of old things or whatnot. 
but when I come back to campus, I feel very nostalgic. Um, not in a sad and gloomy way, but just in a joyful way. Um, the first time I was back in many, many years, I came back because my roommate was giving um, the commencement speech for the School of Arts and Sciences. And so we spent the whole weekend down there and another one of our roommates met us. And it was, it was literally just an absolutely joyful weekend to, to think of all the experiences that we had had and all the incredible memories, ups and downs and sideways um, in such a beautiful place in such an idyllic moment in your life that you, you don't even fully recognize when you're there. But, but I am so grateful to still be affiliated with the school that gives me the opportunity to come back to campus a couple times a year and remember your roots because I think Miami reminds you that you have a lot to give, you have a lot to gain and you have a lot to learn. And that humility is, is refreshing and it's a helpful reminder as we go. That's great, love it. So when you look back to your time at Miami, what would you do differently, if, if anything? Is there anything you do differently? Hmm. Um, you know, I don't, I don't know that there is. I really, really, really wanted to get into Musef and I didn't, that was heartbreaking to me. <laughs> so I would probably try to interview a little better for that than I did at the time. I have a little bit better interviewing skills today than I probably had back then. But, but otherwise I would tell you, I feel like I had the richest experience one could hope for in those four years. And I don't think there's much I would honestly change. Is there a class that you wish you'd taken? Um, you know, I wish honestly that I would have um, explored a little bit more around um, the different religions, honestly. And I don't even know if that's in philosophy or where that might fall from a curriculum standpoint, but with, a, with two majors in the farmer school and a minor in French, I didn't have a lot of um, free time to take other, you know, just interesting courses, but I would be fascinated uh, to have learned about sort of world religions. Now, the good news is my housemates and I, we all came from very different religious backgrounds and we did in fact go to different. So I grew up in a Catholic church and my Jewish roommate would go to Catholic church with me. And then I would go and attend services um, in a synagogue with my, with my Jewish roommate. So I, I learned a bit more um, that way. My, my life was broadened a bit, but I would love the study of understanding the history of some of the religions. That's great. So I know you're very passionate about getting women interested in entrepreneurship and in finance. So what advice can you give to women who have an interest in one or both of these areas? Um, I think the single most important thing I would say is find your voice because you're often in either of those areas, um, you, you may still be one out of or, or two out of, but a small number and feel that, that dynamic sometimes. Um, but finding your voice and knowing that your voice is powerful and will be heard um, is really, really important to establishing credibility. And then that credibility gives you confidence. And it's hard to have one without the other and be successful in either of those walks, right? I think the quick story I'd love to share is the number one thing I see in entrepreneurship. I, I have seen so many young men, God bless you all, who have come in with audacious business plans that say like, we have $2 of revenue today, but next year we're going to have 200 million and then get funded on that because they have built that confidence and conviction. And I see women who will come in and say, we have $2 in revenue and next year we're going to have $4 in revenue and they don't get funded. And so learning the rules of the game and then finding your voice to, to, to play against those rules, I think is really important. 
really good. What other advice would you give to our students listening to this podcast? I'm going to take this in two parts. Part one would be incoming freshmen. And part two would be people who have just got out into the job market. Maybe they've been you know, one year, two years into their first job. The second one is way easier than the first, but let me try the first question first. Um, I think one of the most difficult things coming into your freshman year of college is really giving yourself the freedom to branch out. But what college offers you, and especially a campus like um, Oxford, a school like the Farmer School, it offers you the chance to learn a million things. And so be intellectually curious and give yourself the space to find other things you're interested. For me, I happen to have a professor who encouraged me to follow something I loved in economics, right? And I'm grateful for that. Um, I was able to maintain this love I have of French and all things French through my French minor. And uh, je parle français seulement maintenant aussi, right? I'm still very interested in it. So find things that interest you and intrigue you and try really hard to make time for them because you may never have another chance, right? Once we get down our path in our career, it's very hard to sort of create capacity for just random learning. Um, just coming out or early in your career, I would say the most important thing I can offer is I have developed over time a leadership philosophy that is called lead with yes. And that does not mean that I say yes to everything that comes my way, but it does mean that I try very hard to start with how might I or how could we, rather than why we can't or why I won't. And that has opened so many doors for me that it continues to open. I'm gonna give two quick examples. That whole, I did sales and operations and finance and all that other stuff. That was all because people would come to me and say, what would you think about this? I'm like, huh, well, how might I do that? And so I took a very different career path than most of my peers, but that really, really paid off. And I was very rewarded for that. Um, the second example I'll give, I, I hope I'm allowed to talk about this. If not, I'm sure you'll cut it off. Is there's a new um, venture happening related to Miami University around venture capital that's being raised. And I got a call for that. And at the time I felt like I have no capacity, but this is so very interesting to me and how fortunate am I to have gotten a call about this early on. So, so I signed up and um, we have some activity already happening and it's extremely exciting. So, so just if you can try to build a mindset of how might I or could I, I think it will open doors that you might not have even known existed. That's fantastic. So we're coming up for time. So I want to conclude by thanking you so much, Trish, for the gift of your time to allow us to record this podcast. One defining characteristic of the Farmer School of Business is just how engaged our alumni are and how willing they are to continue to find ways to support the school, its students, its faculty, staff and other alumni. So thank you so much, Trish. Go well as you continue in your journey beyond High Street. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Jenny. Thank you, everyone. I look forward to seeing you on campus soon. Thank you.